This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. For 25 years, Kansas City had one of the great parades and festivals in the Midwest that ended with a ball that was exclusive to all the rich people in town. And then, shockingly, after 25 years, the parade and the ball all disappeared never to be heard from again. This was in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, and it's called the Priest of Palace. Diane and I sit down and discuss a parade that lasted for two and a half decades that made a huge impact, and then all of a sudden, disappeared. Every time you send me a topic for our podcast, Diane, I look at it and go, oh, I've kind of heard something about that before. I have to say, the one we're talking about this month here uh, on the podcast threw me for a loop, something I've never heard of before, never once whispered about, mentioned about nothing. It's the Priests of Palace Parade uh, that took place in the 1800s, early 1900s. I would imagine even somebody who's been in Kansas City for 50 years, 60 years, has probably never heard of anything like this before. What is it? Yeah, it's a little unknown secret of Kansas City. It was Kansas City's first parade. I think uh, it was very uh, popular, if you will, in the 1870s into the 1880s to do something in large growing cities to try to get people to visit your city. And this was the attempt at that and to rival some other parades that were occurring in other big cities like Mardi Gras and New Orleans and and and, and the Lou. The Lou had their Veiled Prophet Parade, which has been in the news a little bit lately. Just sure. A little bit, yeah. Which is, I think kind of inspired me to say, you know, let's talk about, I, I saw some uh, Mayor Q was talking about not ever ha- having heard of uh, the Veiled Prophet Parade. And it does, of course, I mean, when you think of veiled people, especially white men, that already sounds bad. Um, but the the history behind the Veiled Prophet is very, very different than the Priest of Palace, which I think is a good time for us to clarify, because I, some people wanted to lump the Priest of Palace who did know about it kind of in the same category as the Veiled Prophet. And they were very, very different. So. Well- well, I, and that's what I was going to say, because that was my original thought when you suggested this parade. I go, is this similar to the one that they had in St. Louis that has been in the news? Right. Of late? And you're like, oh, no, nothing similar at all. And this one was it, you mentioned kind of to promote Kansas City, but it was yeah. almost like they tried to promote Kansas City as the new Athens. And it kind of took off for a little bit. Then it kind of fizzled out. We decided to go our separate ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, it was the Priest of Palace was a, a parade that was surrounding. It was like kind of a week long deal in Kansas City. So it starts in 1887. St. Louis started their Veiled Prophet in 1878. So we can't, you know, be undersold and 
and not have our own parade because we're always in a rivalry. Mm -hmm. And so essentially from 1887 to 1912, this thing ran pretty solidly. It was a three-day event, three separate parades, and then it ended with a masked ball, like a ball, so a big, huge celebration. And the difference is, of course, between maybe the Vale Prophet, they have uh, 50 debutantes that come in and, and uh, you know, our, the, the, the main lady is going to be chosen by the Veiled Prophet, who is somebody from this society that they had, uh, to choose their person to be the queen of the ball, if you will. We didn't do that. Well, we didn't have a debutante thing in Kansas City for sure. We still do. But th- this has nothing to do with debutantes. But they did have a woman who was que- uh was crowned the goddess Athena in the parade. Um, I don't know how they selected her. I never could really clear up how that happened, but it was started by both. These are started by elite Kansas city and St. Louis people. So both do have that in common. So the veil profits created by St. Louis businessmen, I think 14 of them who uh, wanted to, you know, showcase the city. And there were a lot of things going on in, in St. Louis at the time. And in Kansas city, it was the Flambeau club. I love that because they certainly don't exist anymore. If they do, I don't know about it. They're still masked hidden somewhere in a closet because I don't know who the hell they are. But the Flambeau's cars, uh, Club starts this and they're a group of Kansas City elite who say we want and, and really it was a rivalry thing. It, this all had to surround with just bringing Kansas City to light and showcasing it as the growing metropolis that it was. So in 1887, they create this. And they wanted to promote Kansas City, as you said, as the Athens of the West, which I find very interesting because if we're going to compete, you know, use a term of a city in Europe, we're going to say Paris of the Plains, right? Sure. Or, or you know, Rome with the boulevards right. and things like that. I've yeah. never heard Kansas City Fourth ever thing. once compared to Athens. I mean, we don't have a Parthenon or anything like that here. <laughs> no. I mean, at least Nashville has like a Parthenon. Yeah. They can get away with saying, hey, they're the Athens of the South or whatever it is. But we have nothing here that resembles no, Greek life I- at all. You know, but I think it's easy. They're looking for a theme. I think that they were looking for a theme and in, in, in Greek gods and goddesses. There's a lot of uh, mysticism there. I think it was an easy theme to grab a hold of. That would be my guess. I Because you're right. There was no architecture being built in Kansas City. Like, you know, check out this amazing, you know, uh, mock Parthenon we have over here. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of stuff wasn't happening here. But they did have uh, called the Priest of Palace to pay homage to the Palace Athene, or in this case, the goddess Athena. And she was the central of the last day of the parade. So all of the characters and all of the floats, everything was based originally on Greek mythology. Now they got a little creative in the end. So it was in October, which I also find really interesting because like Kansas City, October, I mean, it could be 95 outside or snowing. So, I mean, that's an interesting time period to choose or, you know, time of year to choose. So it's in October, the first parade's October 13th, 1887, and it's held at dusk, which I find really suspicious and weird. So they, they, the first parade, they meet at the barn. There's like a barn. They called it the priest's den. I mean, just everything was super, un, you know, sly and weird. Mm-hmm. And it was at 7th and Lydia, and they people were just waiting outside the doors of this barn. And then essentially they bust open the doors and then just the floats start coming out and everybody's cheering and voila, Kansas City's first parade just like starts at 7th and Lydia and travels through the streets. The guys are uh, from the Flambeau Club are lighting off fireworks and and there's a band playing. I mean, it sounds quite interesting. And there's a lot of really cool old photos of some of the, the floats that make you 
really appreciate um, our upgrade in the float department. That's for sure. Well, it, it sounded like though, Diane, like everybody rallied around it and got on board right away. I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking 300,000 to 500,000 people at these yeah. events. And for something that just started right away to have everybody kind of jump on board and celebrate, it shows you kind of like, all right, we're going to honor Kansas City, if you will, and make this kind of a rival yeah. parade to what New Orleans and St. Louis are doing. And everybody jumped on board. You couldn't get that many people to attend the parade today if you gave them free booze. Yeah, that's what, well, hey, that's true. That's true. Or, I mean, I guess you have to win a World Series or a Super Bowl to get people <laughs> to attend parades of that size. But back in Actually, the 1800s, were there even 300 to 500,000 people living in the Kansas City area? No, it's, you, you bring up a really valid point because Kansas City, this is, it, so it worked. This is the message, right? It worked because the people, they create this parade. And within the first couple, you know, years, they, by 1889, there's 100,000 people are supposed to show up and there's 20 floats. 1902, the city claims there's 500,000 people at this this parade, and it grew. They grew to include three parades and two mass balls, which we'll talk about the balls in a little bit. But if those numbers are correct, then the parade tripled the city's population at the turn of the century. Yeah, that's tripled. crazy. That that's unbelievable. And like everybody kind of wanted to be a part of it. You had the, the city's elite there, but you also had presidents like Grover Cleveland yeah. is there. And what's really weird, he's 50 and has a 21-year-old wife. Odd for yeah. the times, I would imagine. But how, how do you get the president of the United States to participate in something like this? That I mean, it talk about good timing. So this first parade in 1887. Um, like I said, they had the military march the, the, the first night and, you know, the floats are hidden away. Day two, they have a march and a parade with the labor unions get involved. So they've got a band playing. And day three is the Greek theme parade. And it just so happened. And that's where Athena got her laurels because, you know, had to do that whole scene. But mm-hmm. um, it just happened that Grover Cleveland and 50 year old Grover Cleveland and President Cleveland and his 21 year old wife were on a touring holiday, if you will, um, because they had just gotten married. So you can imagine like tabloids at the time, this was hot news. So they just happened to make sure they came through Kansas City. I'm sure somebody arranged something to get the president of the United States at the first ever parade in Kansas City. And most people were there. Think about photography at the time. Yes, people may have seen her, but you wouldn't have her picture published in the paper. That's not how it worked back then. So everybody wanted to see what that lady, what Francis Cleveland looked like. I want to see what this 21 year old, you know, first lady looks like. So a lot of people showed up to take a, take a look at her, not the goddess Athena. (laughs) (laughs) But, but this is also a really good, it seems like, uh, you know, revenue generator for businesses in town as well. It, it, it seemed like a lot of businesses really benefited from this parade and really kind of jumped mm-hmm. on board to help support the parade because you were bringing people to town. You were bringing businesses yeah. to where they were located downtown. Well, and that was, it was, it was a huge, in order for the businesses and to be clear, of course, and the people that would have been part of this Flambeau club were the Kansas city elite. They're going to be your business owners, a lot of them. And so they they had their support, you know, of course, to, to make sure that things w- that move smoothly and, and quickly, but then also they would, I mean, it was such a big deal that even businesses along in downtown Kansas city and Kansas city is still an urban center at this point, we haven't had the suburbs are just starting to, there is no, you know, plaza there is no you know a war parkway like living in kansas city meant pretty much living downtown or maybe on the east side we hadn't grown that much yet so Mm -hmm. a lot of your 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 population is going to be within the city but the businesses were smart enough to know that not everybody could get a good view 
because of the parade running down the streets. And so they were even renting out window space above. And so people would pay to get a good look at the parade. And I know you've been to the Macy's, you know, the Thanksgiving day parade before sure. and you've always had a really good view. And that does not, I mean, that's not cheap to get that view. So in, in Kansas city, people were doing the exact same thing. I mean, the guys that created this were thinking ahead for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have the parade and that's all well and good and everybody could attend that, but the yeah. real, I guess, exclusivity thing was <laughs> the ball that took yeah. place and nobody knew if they were going to be invited. It was kind of like a mystery invite and you had to wait and see if some guy named Jackson was going to run around and invite yeah. you to the ball. I think that's kind of cool to be honest I love with it. you. Like the idea is great. If you could do something like that yeah. today and just invite certain people that you wanted and they didn't know was coming, have a big time party, maybe as a fundraiser or something like that for, yeah. you know, somebody in town. And, and it would be kind of cool just to have that kind of experience and getting that kind of lucky lottery ticket that, Hey, you're invited. That means that you were somebody that's for sure. And so that's yeah. when you get into the elite a little bit more to that little bit more like the St. Louis side, for sure. It, it definitely was the elite. They didn't just invite anybody. And we got to remember, this is the 1880s we're talking about here into the turn of the century. So things are certainly not, you know, there, there is no equality at this point. But what do you think a party in the 1880s was? I mean, like, do you have a guy pouring like, you know, shots of booze and, and vodka <laughs> on ice and wine and beer? Like, what is a party like back then? Is it more elegant and about to be seen yeah. and maybe eating like a watercress sandwich than, you know, a party today where everybody's like, where's the booze? That's a good question. I actually have Thank an you. old, <laughs> I actually have an old, uh, uh, menu that came from a, you know, a pretty a turn of the century event in Kansas city that my great, great grandfather went to. And it was very much a planned menu. It was more about the interaction, the sitting down, the eating, being waited on, um, pairing things with, of course, wine, you wouldn't have had shots, nobody's going to be doing shots with you at the bar, Bob, that's not uh, how that's this is bad. going. I know it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, there's no, you know, there's no fireball hitting at these events. It certainly would have been definitely more the elite, it would be a chance to be uh, seen in your best dress. Um, to be invited to something like this, every woman would have gotten a brand new dress. Some of those things are still the same, right? I mean, mm -hmm. is that people always, you know, want to make themselves feel extra special for events. But you know, uh, it, it certainly would have been a place to showcase things that you wouldn't have been able to eat a lot at the time, like on the menu of my, um, I love it because it's this fancy menu. It's like steak. And then underneath it says French fries, which doesn't sound fancy, but those were great. That was pretty new. Yeah, here, at least. sure. And then also dessert was super fancy because it was ice cream and you got to think about it. How do you have, I mean, ice is still an issue. <laughs> so yeah. Like ice cream is like really hot commodity. I mean, the ice cream cone, I think when that in first uh, debut in St. Louis World Fair. Like 1904. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about prior to that. So what is fancy? And I mean, it was more like you said, it was more about if you got invited more than anything and you couldn't like trade invitations. You couldn't yeah. like, like you couldn't say like, OK, Bob, I got mine. Let me see what I can do. Get you one, too. It wasn't like that at all. So the way they did this, and I think it's pretty clever. Like you said, I'd love to see this unfold today in Kansas City. So they had a guy who was totally masked going around, which is scary, but what I can you imagine him walking like, is this guy coming into my business to, you know, hold me up? Or give me an invitation to the Priest of Palace ball. Yeah. Yeah. So he was totally masked and his name was Jackson. That was what he was known as. And the Flambeau Club said that he was the one who controlled who was invited. 
So like they, so when people were like calling up the flambeau club, like, Hey, think of my invitation got lost in the mail. They're like, I'm sorry. Jackson's the one who decides who's on the invitation. So Jackson would go around and hand deliver invitations to the people that were invited to the ball. That was the only way to get in. There was no other way. You couldn't donate money to get in. Like it wasn't like that. And so it was, it was a big deal. So, you know, people would complain to the newspapers and say, you know, I don't think this is fair. You know, Jackson, you know, lost my invitation or I think that Jackson forgot my invitation. Like, no, Jackson hit all the people up. Sorry. You're just not on the list. And I mean, you can imagine what kind of conspiracy if you were elite and you didn't get an invitation that looked bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It probably did. Like, what did I do wrong this year that I didn't get invited to this? So what went on at this ball? I mean, was it it like dancing? Was it just socializing? Was it just really a place to be seen? Cause that sure sounds like what it was like really the true first place to be seen in Kansas city. It certainly was just a place to be seen. And uh, you got to, these circles were pretty small at the time. So I, I don't even know how many people were invited to this, to this ball. There were souvenirs were a big deal. They didn't just give you like a crappy souvenir. They gave you stuff and they still exist. Uh, Kansas City and still have them. Um, I know the Kansas City Public Library downtown has several of the different souvenirs that were given out. So you also like walked away with like a door prize, if you will, if you had that. And that would have been a sign of prestige to have that in your home later. Sure. Like, look, here's a 1902 Priest of Palace souvenir spoon or whatever it was. (laughs) Right, right. So what happened? This thing lasted and was really doing well. And a lot of people were involved and a lot of people were excited about it. And then like 1912, 1915 hit and all of a sudden this is gone, vanished from the radar. Did it just get outdated or did it just kind of fall apart for lack of interest? I think it was, it slowly kind of declined, not in interest level, maybe because they tried to do their best to keep people interested by changing, not changing the actual, you know, it was still the, the goddess of Athena and, and that whole shenanigans, mm-hmm. but they had like themes every year. So they tried like mother goose theme, prose and poetry, ah. romance of the ages. So there was like a theme every year. But I think that that kind of fizzled out more. I think really the ball was where people wanted to be seen and not everybody could, of course, go to that. So right. um, I think that, and, and who knows, I don't even know, did they raise money there? I don't know any, there, there are no details like that that exist that we know of. But, you know, for, to go from like 1889, 100,000 people go, showing up to the same, 1902, 500,000 people. And then in 1905, they actually strung the, instead of doing it by horse and wagon, they strung it to the streetcar so it could just electrify through town. <laughs> and just like, That's like I the have, lazy way out. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody got hurt. Nobody got run over. Nothing. Yeah. Or, you know. Well, like so, yeah. I mean, it, pretty, pretty inventive, honestly, if you think about it. I mean, yeah. you, might as well run, you might as well run the line. I mean, it, that was like new and, and hot in Kansas City, too. I mean, yeah, so 1912, they kind of what they were trying to get people to do is pay money based on the size of your business. So like, hey, this is good for Kansas City. This is good for our business. You own this size business. We think you should have, you know, donate X amount of dollars to the parade fund. And people apparently agreed to it. But then, I mean, after and it's been 25 years, this has been a thing now. Mm-hmm. So I know 1912. So you would like think 25 ago. years, something's now ingrained in society, really? right? It doesn't yeah. go away. Oh, after 25 years, we've decided to close our doors. You know, you do That's see cute. stuff obviously like that, but 25 years of a parade and an event and something that yeah. people seemingly genuinely like to be a part of 
all of a sudden had gone away and, and yeah, maybe it, they should have transitioned a little bit to making it a fundraiser for something. They could have. I think that people weren't thinking that far ahead. Charity was very interesting back then too. You, you had specific organizations like Shiners and you had specific organizations in Kansas City that were doing specific things for certain types of charity, but there was no overall charity fund. We kind of went into that when we talked about um, helping the homeless. We, we mm-hmm. talked about the mayor and how the Christmas tree, all that like there really weren't a lot of charitable organizations in Kansas or any city at that time. It was kind of like, Oh, you're homeless. That's too bad. You know? Right, and like, right. people, like there was no, there was no plan. I'll just say that. So I don't know if people were thinking that far ahead of like that the elite should be using this event to help others in society that never, I don't think was ever a consideration. It was mm-hmm. more about how do we get more business to Kansas city? And, and when it started to wane off a little bit, you know, I, I mean, they just canceled it in 1913. They said, we just can't do this. But then Kansas city, you know, was kind of sad about that. Like, I don't know. You know, they, they definitely knew they were missing something. And of course it, it was sure. It was just a thorn on the side that St. Louis has still got their thing going on. And, and of course, Mardi Gras is still going on. So they, they finally kind of resurrect the Flambeau club. Who's still, I guess, hopping at this point, um, asked for city leaders to help pay for this and they get it. This works. And they actually had Ari long and William Volker two very well-known Volker Boulevard and yeah. of course long as in Longview uh, mansion. And of course, uh, down uh, the Kansas city museum is in his house today. hundred thousand dollars is what they needed. This was, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's back a lot of money back then. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, you got to do street closures. You, I mean, a parade's a, and this is not a one day thing. This is a three plus day event. So it's, it's kind of a big deal, but they tried to re- resurrect the Jackson thing even. So they were uh, saying at first that uh, there was a $500 reward to identify Jackson and nobody came forward. Like no one to this day knows who that guy was. That's pretty I cool. Know. I mean, it's pretty, but they do think, and I think this is kind of cool. They do think he was modeled after a, uh, a black custodian who worked at the Kansas city commercial club, whose last name was Jackson, Charles a Jackson. So they think, and I'm not saying that they dress this guy up. Don't think it'll be, I hate to say this by blackface. That's not what Jackson was. He was just, he just wore a mask. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't anything like that. Um, but they still don't know who he was. No clue who Jackson was. And I mean, somebody had to have left the diary, right? Like, you know, at the end of your will and testament, like, P.S., I'm Jackson. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it's like, kind of like the on. secret Santa that we had for all those years. Yeah. When we figured out who it was. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, all right, who is this guy? Who? How are we going to find out who that is? And I think it's kind of fun that to this day we still don't know. And, somebody's you know, great-great-grandfather was Jackson, and they don't even know it. I can guarantee it wasn't my great-great-grandfather because we didn't have any money. Right. But... But in any case, they did, they needed $100,000. They were able to resurrect this. And it was going to be this really, especially the mass ball was going to be a big deal. This time, though, even though Jackson was still, I think, you know, they liked to float the rumors. That was smart PR, really. Mm -hmm. They were still floating the rumors about Jackson. But what they did instead was they said, you donate five bucks, which was a lot of money back then, too. You donate five bucks, we'll give you an invitation to the ball. If you get up, you donate a hundred bucks, we'll give you 20 invitations to hand out. So I think that might have, I wonder if that didn't, and Bob, stop me if you think I'm wrong or if you want to counter this, but I think that might have turned off some of those elite though too, right? It probably could have because- You know, like, yeah. oh, now everybody- Oh, now everybody's going to do it. And somebody from yeah. down the street who maybe I don't consider elite yeah. can pay their money and now get in. And where it yeah. used to be, you know, kind of an exclusive type it, event- 
I think it's it might have not. been. A, I love that they opened it up to everybody, but I yeah. wonder if that wasn't why it didn't push through a little bit more. They did. Um, br- they brought it back, and they did have a pageant, not like where you know somebody won, but there were fifty. I love it. They called it living models. I'm like, it, as opposed to. <laughs> dead ones (laughs) dead ones but uh they called it the opulence of autumn because of course it was in october still right and i mean i love this story because i want to talk to the juror i want to talk to somebody on the jury so it was such a big deal like and to think now we've had it absent for several years and now it's back the parade and everything it was such a huge deal that people were closing their businesses which you think they'd stay open to like you know generate some traffic well yeah right but anyway, the jury was in the middle of deliberation. And I love this. I read this and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And the judge released them, quote, in order to permit the jurors to go home and prepare to see the Priest of Palace parade. Wow. Like, they're deliberating. Like, were they still like told not to say anything? Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, yeah. don't say anything about the case, about this murder trial. I don't know what it was, but don't say anything about it. But go enjoy yourself at the parade. We'll see you later. I mean, that really happened. Um, so 1922, it's resurrected in 1923. They think we have a little bit of money in our fund. We need $50,000. We need the mer- merchants to help us. And like I said, based on your size of business. And people just weren't paying. And then it also didn't help that year. This is sad, but it also didn't help that year that a nine-year-old girl um, was killed on oh. the Shriners float because like a fire broke out. Think about how flammable all that crap was that you decorated these things with. And yeah. then I'm sure there's, I'm sure they're all like smoking. Like, oh, of course. Knows, yeah, right? yeah, right. And a poor girl lost her life riding on that float when the a fire broke out on board. And that was, they kind of said, eh, we're not sure if we can keep doing this. And that was what, I mean, kind of sealed the fate. That along with the fact that the American Royal was around by then. And American Royal started a parade. So um, that kind of sealed the deal for the Priest of Palace. Although I, they did resurrect it. I, I, they, the, the ball, I should say. Not with Jackson, though. Um, but they did resurrect that the Jackson County Historical Society and the Westport Historical Society joined forces in 2005 2000, through 2007. And they had the Priest of Palace uh, ball at Union Station trying to resurrect the old memory of uh of it but it's you know i'm i just i'm on the board of westport historical society i'm not planning an event that size we already know how hard that is bob i mean just having holding an event is is a big deal it's a lot of work um but it is pretty cool they tried to bring it back you know but you know it just wasn't the same anymore i mean i think the the flambeau club probably they all died i don't know i mean like they're not around anymore so i don't know i guess they're you know it might have died with them. The flames went out on the Flambeau Club. I don't know. Every time we do one of these podcasts, I learn something new about Kansas City every single month. It's pretty awesome to see how many cool things occurred in the past and maybe why some things don't occur anymore. This Priest of Palace parade looked like it was something very big, and then it just disappeared. I guess it wasn't meant to be here in Kansas City. And now we can celebrate having one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day parades in all of the United States. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.